And you know, he never says sink or swim. He does say all of you for all of him. But he says taste and see. We taste. Thank you, Father. Romans 15, 13. I wasn't here for any of the sessions, but I'm praying that this ties it all together. That's my goal, so I'm praying it does. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. So it happens by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen by the flesh, right? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. How much joy? And all peace in believing. Did you, you know, have you ever noticed that when we stop believing, we might be believing for something, but, but, and not even realize that we've stopped believing. Does that make sense? Meaning things happen and, and we, we, we become tolerant of things that we weren't tolerant of before. We, we need, we need to be feisty literally for the things of God, but I need you all joy and all peace in believing. So if I choose to believe in measure instead of choosing to believe in full. Now that doesn't mean I know how to believe in full, but I use every amount that I know how. Does that make sense to you? Then I have the opportunity through Christ to walk in all peace and all joy. But if I choose to believe in a measure, I don't have the availability to all peace and all joy. Now, what the other thing I want to say is the very first word, and, and some Bibles have the word now and some do not. But now may the God of hope... You see, believing is not about what I was thinking about yesterday or how I was trusting yesterday or even how I'm going to trust t- tomorrow. You know, have you ever noticed he says, do not say it's four months until the harvest. You see, if we say it's four months until then, we're actually in sin. Because now, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Why is it now? You see, today is always the day of salvation. It's a now. Does that make sense to you? Now, I need to show you one other thing that no one ever talks about. It says, now faith is the substance of things so faith is actually a substance of hope that means it can be measured and it has to be in the now is that true he's amazing isn't he and I got half of my notes upside down let's see when I have to flip them back but we'll see what happens here thank you Holy Spirit thank you Jesus I just turned it upside down again Thank you, Jesus. You see, one of the things that I do, and I I can't, this is just what I do. You see, when someone doesn't get healed, I want to figure out why. Because it's Christ 
that does it. And scripture says he was so brutally beaten, he was unrecognizable as a man. Now, I don't know if that does anything to you, but it does a lot to me. You see, I knew the minute I got healed, it was for everybody, but I didn't know how to explain it. The reason I knew that it was for everybody is I knew myself and knew that he didn't have any more plan for my life than he did someone else's. Does that make sense to you? And so Jesus was so brutally beaten, he was unrecognizable as a man. That means that he was so beaten, and the only reason he was beaten was Isaiah 53 says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. The word chastisement means punishment by whipping. The punishment by whipping that was upon him was for our peace. And by that peace, we are healed. So God wanted us healed so bad that he not only gave us through atonement the authority of healing, but he literally gave us the environment that he does it in. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. When you go to house, from house to house, if your peace returns to you, that's the environment he gives it to. That's the beginning of evangelism. You're to shake the dust off your feet if that peace returns and go to the next place. So, so there's no excuse for somebody not getting healed. Now that doesn't mean I'm trying to tell you that everybody's gotten healed that I've prayed for, but it's God's will. Does it, you understand that? Does, that? does that make sense to you? John 10.10. 10. says, the thief cometh. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The enemy is the same. Did you know that? He has no new tricks. He has no new tricks. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The enemy cometh. It's, it means he comes. It means he's not always present. He's not omnipresent. And he shouldn't even be most of the time present. Amen. Is that true? But the omnipresent one is, is here. He's come. He has come. The, the thing that blows my mind is he's fully come and he's still coming. He's fully come and he's still coming. Does that blow your mind or just mine? He's still coming. He's still coming. And he, and he comes to give us life and life more abundantly. Oh, you need to get this. You see, very familiar scripture. You're going to know this story, but in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, and he says a prophet is not without honor except in his own land or his own country. Now, I'm not trying to talk about that tonight, but I want to point something out. It says he could do no mighty works there, no mighty works except heal a few sick people. That's what it says. What's that mean? It means as Christians, we are not looking in the same perspective he is because we think when somebody's gotten healed, we've had a mighty visitation. It's true, isn't that? I mean, that's what we think, right? But he could heal a few sick people. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 33, verse 6. This is, this is an interesting um, prophetic word because it's set in the middle of dead bodies. You'd think there wouldn't be any hope here, right? But it says, Behold, I bring it. 
it, IT is health and cure. I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. So peace and truth is to be revealed through health and cure. Do you know what I truly believe? Because what 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. He has nothing he likes better. If he says, Beloved, I desire above all things, it means there's nothing to trumpet. Does that make sense? He, and, and why is that true? I want to show you something. Because the reason he heals, and we'll go there next, but Matthew 9, 6 says, So all men may know that he has power on the earth to forgive sin. Jeremiah just said, Behold, I bring it, health and cure. I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Peace and truth is revealed through health and cure. Now, we don't say this very often, but I think he's even more for health and cure than he is a a miracle once in a while. Health and cure. That means he wants me to walk healthy. And, you know, when he tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, it's just not for him to have something to say. Holy and acceptable unto God, that is our reasonable service. So the only service that's reasonable, the only service that makes any sense, anything different than this, is not reasonable because of who he is. Does that make sense to you? Why? Go on down to verse 9. I don't even know if I put it in my notes in here. Jeremiah, I didn't. I didn't. It, but it, it says that every nation on the earth, every nation, not one or two, will reverence or fear him, there's the word that's used, for all the good that I produce through health and cure. Isn't that amazing? He intentionally had a plan and Jesus was brutally beaten when he went to the cross and it wasn't a plan just so our life would be a little bit better on the earth it was literally a plan a plan it was a plan because he wanted everyone to know how good he is and that he heals on the earth does that does that do you understand what i'm saying do you do you get what's what's happening here he wants everybody to know holy spirit Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of, the word knowledge means a knowing gained by experience. I always thought knowledge, I I literally always thought almost all knowledge you got, you know, I I, I thought it went along with studying to show yourself approved. Do you understand? And I'm not telling you not to study. I'm not telling you to quit on the word of God. You need the word of God to bring you to a point to have experience. But it literally says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowing gained by experience. Then it says, because you have rejected knowledge, you've rejected experiences. He's talking to me, although it's Old Testament. But you understand, because I've rejected experiences, he, he, he'll be no priest to me. There's a covenant in this thing. Did you know there's a covenant? It talks about our kids. And when we choose to, to put off the things of God intentionally, because in my life I would put them off because, you know, it just doesn't feel comfortable. I would use my comfort barometer to decide if it was God or not. But yet, the Holy Spirit is my comforter. 
So if the Holy Spirit is my comforter, more than likely he's not trying to keep me in a comfortable place. He's trying to keep me in an uncomfortable place so the Holy Spirit can comfort me. (laughs) And he says that, that literally my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge gained by experience. Destroyed's not a little word. I mean, it might be spells pretty short, but... It has, I don't like that. I would like to say, you know, my people, you know, it takes them a little while, but no, it says they're destroyed. Holy Spirit, you're an amazing God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Oh, Jesus. This is the man that they brought down through the roof. It doesn't say it in this gospel, but this is who it is. Verse 2, when they brought him, the sick man, sick of palsy. I love this testimony since I had CP. I had cerebral palsy. I absolutely love this testimony. But they brought him. They brought him down through the roof. And Jesus seeing him lying on a bed, uh, Jesus seeing their face, seeing the faith of, of the men that brought him down through the roof. It could be seeing the sick man's faith too, but it literally has is plural, T-H-E-I-R. So it can't be just seeing the faith of the sick man, right? And I truly believe, if the truth be known, what I think, I don't think the sick man had anything to do with this. I think the people that brought him through the roof did, but it doesn't say, it just says there, okay? So you can think what you want and be totally accurate. But it says, Jesus seeing their faith, he speaks to the sick man, the man sick of palsy. He didn't try to act like he didn't have palsy. He said he had palsy. Now, I'm not telling you to speak bad things out of your mouth, but I'm telling you that you, there, there's an authority that you have, to, you, you have to get to. And God, Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to speak good things, but you don't have to act like something's not real in order to have faith. And so he said to the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And if I would have been the man that worked to get him down through the roof, I would have thought, Oh, Jesus, I thank you so much for forgiving him his sins, but would you heal him too? He didn't say be healed. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and I would have been right there with them, he said, Why do you think evil in your heart? Why do you think evil in your heart? And I'm thinking, what is he trying to say? This took me years to figure out. I'm not kidding you. Probably 25 years. Evil in your heart. It's the same word that's used when you being earthly or evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So you... So what's he saying here when he, he said, you thinking e- earthly he's, or evil? He's saying you're thinking earthly. Marlene, if you think it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven than to say arise and walk. You're thinking earthly. Because he literally says... For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or say, arise and walk. The truth of the matter, it comes through the same authority. It comes through the cross. But we as Christians, we as religious Christians, 
think it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, than to say, arise and walk. Because we're making these judgments on our experience, not on Scripture. But he says the reason he heals, he answers the question here in 6. I mean, whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sin. Then he says to the man sick of palsy, arise, take thy bed, go to thy house. Why does he heal? It's not just so people don't go to heaven too early. I was one of those. But it's so, men may know that he has power on the earth to forgive sin. Have you ever wondered why there was 3,000 souls? And I'm not telling you I have the only answer. That's not my point, okay? But why there was 3,000 souls saved or such that should be saved? Healing was in its rightful place. It wasn't secondary. It It was right there. So that God, have you ever wondered, or am I the only one? At the end of Matthew 9, it talks about Jesus healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But he was grieved. It literally says he was moved with compassion. And when you look that up, it actually says his gut hurt. He was so moved with compassion, his gut hurt. And he begged the apostles to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And he begged him, saying, you know, don't just look at the need here. There's so many sheep without a shepherd. There's so many sheep without a shepherd. But he's, he's not going to them and saying, you know, are you ready to meet your father? He's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't repent. That doesn't mean it. I want you to get what I'm saying. Healing is an evangelistic tool. And I believe it's the greatest one. I believe it's the way he ordained it from the beginning. Does that make sense? That's what I think. And the reason I think that is that's what Jesus was doing. And in 10.1, he answers his own prayer. I mean, he, he, he literally calls them to him and he answers his own prayer. And, 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 he, and he gave them power against unclean spirits. This is the answer to so many people without a shepherd. He gave them power against unclean spirits and to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now here we are. We're going down just a few more verses. Verse 6 of Matthew 10. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils for freely you have received, freely give. It doesn't even say for freely receive and freely give we try to teach people how to receive but it says freely you have received so we need to acknowledge what we've already received freely give our only response can be to acknowledge what he's already done and give it does that make sense I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what he did. And if you go on down, he, he's literally telling him, I mean, he, he says, heal the sick, cleanse the repers, cast out, uh, uh, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gore nor silver, nor brass for your purses, nor script for your journey. Now he's telling you what to take on your journey. He's telling you how to, the very beginning of, you know, like we're going on a mission trip and this is what you need. And their mission trip was from door to door. And if the peace returned to you, shake the dust off your feet. 
And we think healing's hard. Do we not? But it's the very first thing he told them to do. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went up to the temple. It was a normal day for them. Except Acts chapter 2 it happened. So they had a greater presence. I said to you earlier that the enemy is still the same. He has no new tricks. He has to come. He's not omnipresent or always present. But you need to think about this just for a minute. (laughs) He has no new tricks. But we're not the same people he dealt with six months ago. Does that make sense to you? Well, if something happened with Peter and John, and they're not the same men anymore, and they're going to the same synagogue that they've been going to day after day after day after day, and it was just time for church. It wasn't time for something planned. It didn't say that they had interceded or got together or even spoke to each other about this. Peter and John were about to go into the temple, and they noticed the man who was always laying there asking for alms, asking for money. And Peter says, looking, you know, expect, you know, Peter says to the layman, look at us. And he looks at them, expecting to receive something. What do you think he thought he was going to get? Money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. I'm so glad he went on with this sentence. But such that I have, I give. You see, freely you have received, freely give. There's no prerequisites. The guy doesn't have to be ready for prayer. He doesn't have to be prepared for the situation. There's nothing you have to do because literally Jesus went to the cross and he acquired peace for us, the environment that you do it in. And, and, and And you're to follow your peace. You see, we're not to follow our goosebumps. Now, if you have goosebumps with your peace, I want you to follow it. But we're to follow our peace. Does that make sense to you? And as we follow our peace, something happens. And and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such that I have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and his feet and ankle bones received strength. He took him by the right hand. In other words, there wasn't any way, but there was a connection that happened, and he had something on the inside of him. But I want you to see what happens here. Go on down, please, to verse 16. You see, there's a healing. And verse 12, and and, and ye men of Israel, you marvel at this and look at us earnestly as though our power or holiness has made this man walk. And his name through faith in his name has made this man walk. What made him walk? Faith with an experience. They now had an experience. My people are destroyed because of a lack of experience, but they'd had an experience now that they hadn't had before, and it wasn't just the Holy Spirit as such. There's a faith in a name. There's an authority in a name of Jesus, and there's a reality of when, when when they're using His name, they're actually coming in His name, and the enemy has to respond as if it is Him. Does that make sense to you? And so that's what he says. But then go, go on down to, to, to um, 
verse 19, because I want you to see this. Even at, at the gate called Beautiful, something happens. There's a healing and there's a response as if something amazing is in these men. And Peter brings it around to the name of Jesus. But then he tells them something. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And a time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How did he get the opportunity? He stuck out his hand to a lame man that he sees every day. But there was something different inside Peter and John. It wasn't that the lame man was different. It wasn't that God was different. But there was an experience that they they had. Does that make sense? And they were able to give something that they hadn't been able to give before. Does that? It doesn't mean God's ideas had changed. It means Peter and John had changed. And I want to change too. I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. Does that make sense to you? I want to change. Holy Spirit. Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 10 actually, it, say, it says this, that if to not cast away our confidence because it has great recompense of reward. I want you to get this. You see, just like he says the, the grain of a, it only takes the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Well, he says, don't throw away your confidence. He's actually talking about the whole body here, right? It's talking about assembling yourselves together. It's talking about the church. It's talking about one another. And, and sometimes we, we lose sight of who we are in the body or who, we, who, who my neighbor is. Does, that's what he's talking about. But he says, don't throw away your confidence because it has great recompense of reward. I need you to get this. If your confidence is this size, it has great recompense of reward. If your confidence is this size, it has great recompense of reward. If your confidence is this size, it still has great recompense of reward. It doesn't matter how big your confidence is, it has great recompense of reward. Why? It's all about him. And it's all about us, the body of Christ, using what we've got. But it's about Him. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand? He even tells us, and I'm not going to go into this now, but in 1140, if you want to write this down, you can. But he's talking about the the faith of the Old, Old Testament. And he's actually saying that he's provided us something better than they even had. Why? Because he keeps coming. He's fully come and he keeps coming. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He's pouring out his spirit and, 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 and he just keeps coming. Is that, is, is that amazing to you or is it just amazing to me? Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please him without faith, right? But he that believes must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek. When you seek something, you change. I want you to get this. When you seek something, you change your life for it. People seek degrees. Sometimes they change their life for 12 years if they get a really good degree. If you get some kind of certificate or a diploma in a couple of weeks, it wasn't worth much. But we, so this isn't, it literally said, I want, I want you to get this, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek. We change our life for it. Amen. Amen. We do. Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. I think he is. I think he is. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, the substance of things hoped for, Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed God. You see, by faith, it was counted unto him as righteousness. You see, if he had chosen to just live in his history of goofing up and having Ishmael and not going any further, and you can put the slant on that any direction you want to, but both Abraham and Sarah lived by faith, and they both got in the hall of fame of faith. Because they chose to walk in obedience that was totally new. Does that make sense? Holy Spirit. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 17. There's a deaf and dumb boy. And all of you know the story. I'd be shocked if you don't. And the father brings a deaf and dumb boy to the apostles and they pray and nothing happens. And then he brings the, the boy to Jesus. And he says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cast him out. They, they, they weren't able to help. And Jesus turns and says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long? Did you know how we respond to the things of God plays with the timing of the Lord? Now, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. But how long? Oh, faithless and perverse generation. I don't know about you, but this is not a joke. When I drive, I cry out to the Lord and I say, God, I want to make an impact on a generation. I want to make an impact on a generation. You've called us all for something so incredible that we all should be able to make a major impact. on. on, I'm not saying here or there. Do you understand? On a generation. And he says to them, Oh, faithless, And perverse generation. You see, it was just the apostles that prayed. It wasn't the whole generation that prayed. You want to get this? How we respond and what we choose to do and whether we choose to have faith or not. (coughs) Excuse me. Changes a generation. It's not about the media. It's not about who's in presidential office. I'm very serious. It's about the body of Christ choosing to persevere and not be faithless. It doesn't say you of little faith. It says faithless. So, but but they, the apostles had prayed for, for before and they'd had healing. But this time they didn't. What does that mean? It means in this situation, they didn't have faith. But God wanted them to have faith. 
And he's saying it's more than just about this, this boy that is now coming to me. This is about the generation. Look up the word perverse sometime if you want. It's, it's, it's intentionally turning from what is good or right. Holy Spirit. So Jesus prays, and obviously you know what happened, but the cool part is the apostles came to him, and they said, why, why could we not cast him out? And that's when he said, oh, you know, because faithless, because if you'd had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, if you'd had any faith at all, <laughs> this wouldn't have happened. Does that make sense? I want you to get this. See, he, ter- he turned to the centurion, or he turned to the crowd, when the centurion says, when Jesus says, I'll come to your house, and the centurion says, I'm not worthy that you would enter my roof, or come under my roof, sorry, he doesn't enter a roof, sorry. Come under my roof. You see, the centurion wasn't trying to look like a hot shot. He knew that he wasn't who he needed to be. He was just a soldier. But he, he knew if he could get to Jesus, his, his servant that was grievously tormented would be healed, correct? I need you to get this. Why am I bringing this up? Because I'm talking to you. I just said that the, the, the boy, the deaf and dumb boy, wasn't healed because of, uh, they, there was no faith. It wasn't, there wasn't a small measure used. There was no faith. Now, how, why are you proving that? Why did you bring the centurion up, Marlene? Because when Jesus heard that he didn't have to go to his house, that he had faith to believe that if he spoke the word only and it would be performed, he turned to the crowd and he said, I've not seen such... In all of Israel. Now what did the centurion have going for him? He says, I'm a man under authority. It doesn't say I'm a man of authority. It says I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. If we choose to use the measure of faith that we have, even if it's so small that if we could just get to Jesus and we choose to humble ourselves and walk under authority, then our words have authority. Does that make sense to you? And God says, I've not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. Can you imagine what those Jews thought? So that means all of us can do this thing. If we're born again, if you've, give, if you've given your heart to Jesus, the very beginning of evangelism is to lay hands on the sick. That's what it says, isn't it? <laughs> ah, it's just amazing. Romans 4. This is back to Abraham. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old and Sarah's, and, and, and the womb of the, the womb, the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had received He'd be able to perform. What? Who would be able to perform? Thank you, Jesus. Now, I need you to look at this. He didn't consider his own body. How many times when we go to the altar, 
Or we ask for prayer. Are we considering our own body? It didn't make any difference if he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Or if he was 200 and Sarah was 180. Because his body wasn't in the equation. When we're believing in faith, it's a substance. Faith is always the substance of things hoped for. Do you know what fear is? Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. And perfect love casts out all types of fear, right? So he literally, he didn't consider his own body. So if faith is the substance of things hoped for, and we're truly walking in faith, whether it's this much or this much, you see, the, when Jesus went to pray for the deaf and dumb boy, he said to the Father, do you believe? And he started out and he said, I believe. But then he said, help my unbelief. It doesn't matter if your unbelief keeps growing. Now, I'm not trying to ask you to make it grow. But you're to hold on to your belief. Even if your unbelief has gotten really huge and you've only got a little bit of unbelief left, hold on to that little bit or that a little bit of belief left. I'm sorry I said that backwards. God, I'm very sorry. If you if whatever amount that you've got, it doesn't matter what how big it is, it's that you're paying attention to that and you're not paying attention to the years that have gone by and things that haven't happened because it's all about him. And he only needs a little bit. He only needs a little bit. That's why it's no mighty work when somebody gets healed. He could do no mighty works there except heal a few sick folk. That is just amazing to me. Because we freely we have received. Freely give. Is that true? To me, it's very true. It's just so true. It's just so true. And he tells us literally to believe. Now, one more story. It's not in my notes, but we're going there. Jesus went to the wedding feast of Cana. And they run out of wine. And Mary tells him, they have no wine. And he says, what do I have to do with it? My time has not yet come. It's not time for me to perform miracles yet. But Mary knew something. (laughs) God had already said, honor your father and mother. Or he'd smite the earth with a curse. And, he, and Mary looks at the servants and she says, whatever she said or whatever he says, do it. Servants. The centurion was a man under authority, having soldiers under him. That's how this thing works. The kingdom won't work any other way. The kingdom will not work unless we're under authority, having things under us. If I'm trying to walk without being under authority, the enemy can say, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? But Mary says to the servants, whatever he says, do it. 
the water pots, it says were 20 gallons, and he fills them. I would have literally, if I would have went to fill them, which is doubtful, I would have left some space. But it says they filled them to the brim. And then he says, serve them to the governor, serve them. And they know that where they got what's in those water pots. And they served them. And it says after that, this is interesting to me, that the, the disciples believed on Jesus. After a miracle of water being turned into wine, so they had plenty to drink for a bridal reception. That's amazing to me. They were already following him. They were already there, but they believed. I need you to get this word, believe, because sometimes we follow Christ or we think we're following Christ and our neighbors would think we're Christians, but the belief part, do you know that the, the way that we understand belief in the American language doesn't work because if it was just that word, we'd be, it just doesn't work because the enemy believes too. So this belief thing is, is a much bigger trust. After people see a miracle, there's much greater trust than there ever was before. Why does he heal so all men may know that he has power on the earth to forgive sin? When Paul and Silas went into the prison and the earthquake happened and, 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 they, the, and, and all the shackles fell off of them, because, and the earthquake happened, I need you to get this, because they were praising God, right? They were praising God. It was midnight. Uh, you need to get this too. Midnight. What is midnight? Midnight is, the, is, is, is the, the, the transition from one day to the next. And at midnight, you see, God doesn't mince words. At the transition from one day to the next, they weren't praising God with a sacrifice of praise just because they thought if they praised Him, something would happen. They were praising God because they had been going from house to house with signals of heart. They'd been doing, that's what they'd been doing. You know, you know what I mean? They were with, they were with each other and that's what they were accustomed to. But, but at midnight, in the, in the transformation of one day to the other, as they were praising God, this earthquake happens and all their shackles fall off. And it doesn't say just the shackles uh, uh, of Paul and Silas fell off. It says the shackles fell off of everyone in the prison. Do you understand? And then what's amazing is they all stayed. I'm not, I don't think I would have heard God. I think I would have been gone and I would have known it was God. But they were all there. Now I need you to get this. When the apostles prayed and nothing happened, he said, Oh, faithless generation. You understand? But when Paul and Silas are engaging, you see, Scripture tells us the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It never appears while we're spectating. Holy Spirit. We engage. Does that make sense? 
And it's ta- that verse is talking about the lepers that come back. And, and the one that comes back that's thankful, he's not only healed, he's now whole. And what that means to me is all his digits are back or whatever was missing. So how we respond, and if we respond fully, you see, they filled the water pots to the top. They filled them to the top. Only believe. It doesn't matter if your unbelief is getting really huge. He wants you to hang on and only so even if you're at midnight, I didn't have that in my notes. There's, 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 more, there's several people in here that, there, that you're, you know it without a question. I, you can raise your hand if you want. You, can do what, you don't have to. I don't care what you do. But you're in a transition and you know it. And you're going from one day to the next. And I don't mean like because, you know, it, it's, the, it's the end of April and we're going into May. That isn't what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say you're, you're in a transition. Does, do, you, do, you, do you understand? I'm telling you to be radical about the things of the Lord in the middle of your transition. I'm telling you to, to literally praise God with all you have in the middle of your transition. Get very comfortable with praising the Lord radically and it won't just affect you. It will, ch- it will affect all the prisoners, all the people that need to be freed around you. Because there's a shackle, shackles going to break and it's going to change some futures. And then the guard says, as he realizes that nobody even left. God was so fully in charge because they didn't do it timidly. <laughs> that the guard says to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They didn't ask him how he was in his soul. He said, what do I need to do? And then it says, him and his household was saved. So that guy's commitment was so real, it wasn't fire insurance, (laughs) that his whole household followed him. It was radical. We have not because we ask not. Years ago, I run a flower shop for a living. And I was asked to go to this small town about 45 minutes from our house or our store to watch an employee of ours um, be baptized, her, her husband, and her two kids. And I wanted to. I mean, set it up so we can do it. I, I wanted to do it. And so we, we go to this church, and it's a little small country church with wooden floors and wooden pews. And when we opened the back door, I mean, when we pulled up, I kind of thought, my goodness gracious, they need a bigger parking lot for this little church. But we opened up the door, and it's packed. And the only room is right here in the back. And my mom slides in, and then I slide in. And there's a lady sitting right here in a wheelchair. And this lady whispers very loudly. And she's communicating with me. And she says, what are you doing here? I said, this is our friend and their family. And they're going to get baptized after church church in the creek. And we want to watch. And so she says, 
doesn't she work in the flower shop in Republic? And I said, yes. She said, well, there's a lady up there in one of those stores that's been healed of something. (laughs) And I said, that's me. Trying to, I thought I'll visit with her later and talk all she wants. But I mean, everybody was turning and looking. Do you understand? Well, she made sure everybody looked because then she yells up the four rows. I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. And she yells up the four rows and she says, Pastor Mike. And she didn't know I knew him, but I did. And I didn't know this part, so I learned quite a bit too. But she said, you know that lady that I asked if she could come and speak and you said no? (laughs) She's here. (laughs) And I wish there'd been a hole. So after church, this lady won't leave me alone. We, I mean, she just keeps saying, when will you come speak? When will you come speak? And I said, you ask Pastor Mike, and whenever he calls me, the first available date, I'll come. And, I mean, this lady is just so persistent. We go down the creek, and somebody comes and taps me on the shoulder, and I have to go back to her wheelchair van. She's still doing it. And I, I said, you ask your pastor as soon as he wants, I'll do it, thinking I was in protocol. I probably should have prayed, but I don't think I did. (laughs) Because later I find out this lady's last name is Bowling, and this is called Bowling Chapel. So in a few weeks, I went on a Sunday night and gave my testimony. And the church was packed again, except the pastor wasn't there. And I gave my testimony, and after the end of my testimony, I asked if anyone wanted to accept any, you know, wanted anything from the Lord, wanted prayer or whatever. And I did it as timid, you know, like I tried to not be demonstrative. Do you, you understand? And so I, I went to the, the step, and I asked for a show of hands if anybody wanted anything, thinking that we would just pray there because it would be more appropriate for the situation. And nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. And in myself, I said to the Lord, God, you've never failed me yet. What do you want me to do? And he said, stand here. And he hardly said stand here before I was like, okay, God, you've never failed me yet, but what do you want me to do? And I just kept doing that. Well, then this young lady gets up from the back row, four pews, and comes around and comes down in front of me, but it's like it takes her forever to walk down in front of me. And on the inside of me, this is not good, this is not pretty, and this is not nice, but I was going, hurry up. (laughs) Hurry up. And she gets down in front of me, and I said to her, what do you want from the Lord? And she doesn't say a word. But a little old lady gets up from the front pew, gets up right behind her, and she reaches around and she says, this is my granddaughter. And she's going blind. And I thought, Marlene, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. But I remember saying, Jesus, you have scars. And you love this young lady so much. It's not about me. And I didn't say what I'd been thinking in myself. It's not about how stupid I just was. It's about you. And I said, God, I ask you to heal her eyes. And she sat down as if nothing happened. 
But on the back row where she had been sitting, her dad gets up and accepts the Lord. Her uncle gets up and accepts the Lord. And one other man in this church, I mean, there isn't that many people, but three men in their later 60s, early 70s, somewhere in that neighborhood, accept Jesus just like that. We drive home, and I'm still feeling like the idiot. And Monday night, or Monday morning comes, and out in front of our store, there's, a, there's this older rickety car, and I, I think it's someone eating McDonald's because we're on the same lot. And, 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 and I go in, and then somebody gets out of this car and comes in, and it's a, this, I didn't recognize her because she didn't have on the same outfit, but it's the little old lady that was sitting on the front row that that's her granddaughter. And as she walks in, she introduces herself, and as soon as she starts to talk, you know, her voice, I recognize her, and, and she says, um, I, I said, what can I do for you? She says, well, we owe you an apology. And I thought, you owe me nothing. If you had any clue what I was thinking as your granddaughter took so long to get down in front of me, you owe me nothing. But the lady says to me, Marlene, my granddaughter got healed last night. And we don't know what to do with it. That young lady gets healed, literally gets healed while she's right here, backs up to the pew, her and her grandma sit down, her dad and her uncle and another man in his 70s pop up and accept Jesus, and nobody's even been told she's healed. Not only is that lady healed, so is her sister, so is her brother, this family was a little bit mentally slow. They're totally normal human beings today. But the reason he heals is so all men may know that he has power on the earth to forgive sin. We're to not do this passively. He says literally that he calls us to exhort with all authority. That means there's nothing timid about this thing. Jesus went to the cross and was so brutally beaten, you couldn't even tell what human he was so that we could freely have healing on the earth. Father, I thank you for your amazing goodness. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for, just for a minute. We're going to pray here in a minute, and we're going to call, call you up and let you come for prayer. But while every head's bowed, just for a minute, and, and this is for the Father. And, and, but if you need to say to me, my heart, it's not right with the Lord, just raise up your hand and put it back down. I'm not going to call you up front because you can come up with everybody else. My heart's not right with the Lord. My heart's not right with the Lord. I see that hand. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Holy Spirit. Now, everyone pray after me. Everyone. Everyone pray with such boldness. For those that raise their hands today, I don't want the enemy to, to, to say to them, this wasn't real. I want them to realize that there's an authority of Christ in this room to launch and change futures. Everyone say this after me. And if you mean what you're saying, this is say your own words if you want. This is about Jesus. This is about saying, I surrender my life. I will no longer war with you. You're, it, there's no longer a battle between me and you. I'm yours. So please say this. Father, 
I give you my life. Thank you for coming. Forgive me for putting you off. You're an amazing God. Take my life. Do something amazing with it. I choose to surrender and love you. In Jesus' name, amen.